the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to Mission Life Podcast. Today we are here at the NRB event in Nashville, Tennessee. We are sitting down with the group Chosen Road, and they are out of West Virginia. Chosen Road, welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. you Thank you for having us. Absolutely. You know, when describing your band, people have used the word innovative and traditional, and those words don't always go together. So can you tell us a little bit about the style and how you developed that style? Yeah, it, it really probably just all started where we grow up, where we've all grown up at, which is in the, mount, the Appalachian Mountains, um, where you can find a banjo and a fiddle and a guitar on every corner. And uh, so we all grew up just around a very traditional style of music that has been in those mountains for hundreds of years. And so we all just kind of just by default fell in love with it. And so what we've done then is, is taken something that is traditional as far as the instruments, but still using them in a fresh and new way. So I guess that's where the innovative part comes from. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how we came to that. Absolutely. Tell us about yourselves, Jonathan. We'll start with you. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about your background uh, spiritually and where you grew up? And we'll just continue on. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in a little country church in West Virginia, which is up a holler. And in you guys are from around Toledo, Ohio. You have no, you don't have holler. We don't hollers have, up there. Yeah, what's a ho- what's a holler? What's a holler? <laughs> it's a it's a little tiny uh, valley between two mountains. The sun doesn't shine down in there, and uh, so really, my, that little church, my granddad pastored it. He started it is right in a holler, sandwiched right in between two mountains, and that's where I grew up. It was a, a church that loved music, um, had gospel music. Uh, groups that would come through and sing in the church there all the time and uh, a lot of great musicians in the church and that's really where I grew up and I learned to to play the guitar eventually and, and start playing the bass and the church band there when I was a kid started singing in church my dad sang in a gospel quartet and so I can remember my earliest memories of, uh, of music would be traveling with my dad on the weekends when he would go sing with this little quartet and they were weekend warriors and I remember doing that as a little boy and so I guess that might have been where I got bit by the bug and just kind of from that early age had a desire to be around that and be a part of it and um, so then I was also uh, saved through that church in in a sense at a youth camp in Kentucky that was in the middle of a cow pasture in rural Kentucky came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior and so uh, our roots are kind of backwoods and uh, very Appalachian and so that that, that's kind of how I got started. Appalachian. You know, when, when people don't say Appalachian, they say Appalachian. Appalachian there. And we're very, see, we, we didn't correct you. You brought it up. Yeah, yeah. See, I, we did so an interview this morning. We did an interview this morning, and she said it. And if you're from Appalachia, when you hear that, you just want to be like, oh, no, don't do that. But, but yeah, so you did that, not me. Yeah. So I have a question too. In the in the holler in the holler, are there are there fishing holes and crawdads anywhere? You can uh, find some fishing holes, and uh, yeah, there's some crawdads. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, we're, we're learning about this. So. You can even eat. Have you ever eaten crawdads? I don't know if I, have you ever. I have not. That's a that's a very spirit. It's a spiritual experience. It's a spiritual. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, that's what we're missing. I think that's what we're missing was <laughs> the crawdad experience. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so uh, my name's Zach, um, and I don't know, um, kind of maybe a little bit different from these guys, but um, 
I no one in my family played music or sang or did anything. So totally, I I really can't even explain how I've got the music bug. But um, I was raised in a um, small Baptist church there in Southern West Virginia, and um, I started singing. Um, from what I have been told, at least, because I can't remember back this far. But ever since <laughs> I could talk, really, I've sang. And so I sang, um, I guess, from probably, I remember, I think they told, my parents told me that I sang in church when I was like three or something like that. And then uh, I started playing music um, when I was, uh, right before my 10th birthday, um, I played mandolin in the band. And um, I got a mandolin for my 10th birthday. Um, and so been playing ever since then. Um, but yeah, it's just really strange because normally, like Jonathan said, like he was kind of raised in a musical household of sorts and, um, I, you were, you were around some music, right? Uh, Josh? Yeah. My dad, uh, my dad, I grew up seeing my dad play in church and sing in church and, uh, him and my uncle actually had a bluegrass gospel band back home. We grew up in a little town called Cannon, Georgia. They called it the, uh, the big gun town. And, uh, so they would meet up there and, and rehearse and play and. I eventually started playing the fiddle until that band needed a banjo player, and I had never played a banjo, but my, my uncle told me if I tried to learn that he would buy me a banjo, so that's kind of how the, I started there. Um, was saved when I was 18 uh, at a little church, just a little mountain church, or foothills, I guess, and uh, just started playing from there on out, you know, for the Lord on the road, and so to play with these guys is just a, a humbling experience to follow up, so. Absolutely. And uh, I'm similar to Zach. Uh, nobody in my family um, really sang or played anything. But uh, I was told that I, ever since I could talk, I was singing. Um, and so when we I are was, similar. Yeah, we're, okay. we are similar. Uh, when I was, uh, uh, I was saved when I was seven years old uh, at a revival. Our church choir was actually singing at it. And... Uh, uh, got saved in a uh, little little church in Culloden, West Virginia. Um, and then uh, when I was about 10 years old, uh, I got my first uh, guitar and started taking lessons. And uh, it's all gone downhill since then. <laughs> but I had a lot of, lot of influence from people in our, in our church that play guitar and sing and we had a mixture of southern gospel and and uh, bluegrass and country gospel, so I got a little flavor of everything from it. That's awesome. I love how you guys all come from just very kind of humble backgrounds in terms of kind of you didn't come from mega churches, you didn't come from you just came from a church that was just yeah. out there preaching the gospel and, and and living authentically, and and that's how you came to know. Christ, I, I love that. But at what point did you all, you know, three of you are from West Virginia, one of you are from Georgia. At what point did you all begin to kind of come together and 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 say, hey, there's there's something here. What we could begin to do this, you know, in in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, and I think you know, I was just sitting there thinking, and I had never really thought of it in this light, um, missionally speaking. Every single one of us, we were in, introduced to music through the ministry of a local church. Mm-hmm. And it just shows the importance that even a small rural community church yes. can have 
the impact that it can have on the life of a young person. We were all kids then, and we heard that music. And I was thinking back to Zach. His, nobody in his family played or sang, but in the community where his grandparents lived, there was a Methodist church that had a um, weekly or monthly jam session. And his granddad started taking Zach to this jam session at this little Methodist church. And uh, that's where I hated bluegrass. (laughs) Like, seriously, I I did not like it at all. And he kind of made me go. And I just wanted to go just to spend time with my grandpa, you know. And then I just, I don't know, caught the bug. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a disease. Yeah. I love, you know, for, for, mo- for most of the rest of the country, we don't necessarily think jam session bluegrass necessarily, yeah. you know. And yeah. But when you say jam session, you mean bluegrass. Yeah, yeah, sam- bluegrass jam, jam session. session. Yeah. It's a very cultural thing um, that, that you'll find there in those mountains and, and, you know, all throughout the south. But but going back to the, the question that she asked a second ago, how we kind of all came together and got started. Um, I was in college when we started Chosen Road. I was a junior in college, and that was 2009. And um, I had been previously working with another Southern Gospel group, and I just kind of felt a burden on my heart to, to start this. And um, so myself and some other guys in our region, we started it. Zach was actually right there at the beginning, too. He was one of the original members. And uh, that was in 2009. He was 12 years old then. Hmm. He's he couldn't, he couldn't find anybody else to, <laughs> to join the band. So. If there's any uh, – He yeah. dropped out of school at 12 I years was old. Called, I was called an advocate of child labor. Um, in those days, oh, but but no, so it, it, so yeah, we we just got together really just a group of guys, and um, we just it we never approached it with the goal of one day being able to make a living doing it and travel full time doing it. It just kind of happened. We started off just playing in different churches throughout our home area and county fairs and different events like that, and then 13 years later, we've been able to share the music we love but most importantly the gospel through that music all around the world and um so it's just been amazing and through the years there's been a lot of different members of the band uh tyler has been here for about a little over five, little over five years now we were playing dollywood the famous theme park there in pigeon forge tennessee we were doing their bluegrass and barbecue festival and we had a cabin that we were staying in and uh, we were doing two days there and tyler was actually working at a dinner theater there in town and a mutual friend brought him along to another one of those jam sessions. <laughs> Got to watch jam out for those. <laughs> Big things happen at jam it's sessions. Common theme. I, al- I almost didn't come because uh, we were me and my buddy that he was talking about that brought me were utility musicians there at the dinner theater, and you play all the time. So I almost didn't go, but I ended up caving in at the last minute. Yeah, it's providential. Yeah, yeah, it was God. And so that's just how just people ask all the time. How did you do it? How did everybody come together? It was just the providential hand of God that's put all the pieces in place. Yeah, and it's just awesome that you started out. Again, we talked about local churches earlier and just the importance of those relationships built from that, you know, um, just how you guys started out playing in local churches. And it grew from there, you know, Mm -hmm. that God honored that, that you put his bride, the local church, first and using that gift. Yeah. That's just awesome. Yeah, and still to this day, yeah, that that's where our heart is at. Our heart is in the local church. We love doing the some of the really cool stuff that we get to do, but um, on big stages. But we love laboring with the local church, and uh, that's a big part of our mission. And and we've done a lot of work through the years with the North American Mission Board, which is the missions arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, and uh, specifically in encouraging pastors that are 
replanting churches or laboring in churches that are in a revitalization process, trying to encourage them in that walk and um, give them some hope. So that's always been a part of what, what we've done and always will be. I just I love that because pastors truly need encouragement, especially yeah. in the days that we are living. Leadership has never been more difficult and challenging. Mm, so sure. that you guys have a heart to minister to pastors, that's w- just great how God uses that, you know, your gift of music. So that is so encouraging. And just like the importance of the local church because like you said a minute ago, like we were all, and you said we were all ministered to, at some point in our lives, I think everybody has been ministered to in some way and impacted by the ministry of a local church. And I heard some a friend of mine who's a songwriter said the other day to me, you know, it's not always that a coffee shop has the best coffee just because of their name. Sometimes it's that local coffee shop on the corner that has the best coffee. And you can think of the church like that as like sometimes that most effective form of ministry is going to come from just a local body of believers worshiping in truth and just there to worship the Lord. And it's not always going to be this mega church or, or something crazy. And I mean, nothing wrong with those either, but you know, the I think the majority of America doesn't relate to something like that i mean it's like i mean my goodness like our little town is like a is like a less the population of our small town is probably less than the membership at some some huge churches you know and so it's and people people forget a lot of times what gets attention especially in the days that we live in on social media and everything else you know and a mega church they have the production team to, to put on a great production and all that has its place and it's wonderful and god's using that too but that is not the norm and so a lot of pastors, they think, oh, I'll just pastor a small church. No, you don't pastor a small church. You pastor a normal church. The majority yeah. of churches in America are under 200 members. That's the majority. And so, you know, they need to, we try to encourage them, no, it's not a small church. Your work is not insignificant. You're a normal church doing the work that God has called us to do. So, yeah. So just even your your um, most your latest album, Apple Appalachian or Appalachian. Yeah, you're getting it. You got, you're it. You got it. You got it. You want to move? Better. You want to move to West Virginia? <laughs> it is close. beautiful. <laughs> um, but just what inspired you guys to do the hymn album? You know, I you know "Be Thou My Vision" is like the flagship song of the album. I was listening to that this morning. It's absolutely beautiful. So can you guys tell us a little bit about, like, what moved in your hearts as God was preparing you to do this project? Yeah, I'll kind of throw it to these guys in a second. We've just really, it started, um, there wasn't any, I have to be honest, there wasn't any super spiritual moment or, like, you know, God call it, you know, put this on our heart. We've just had people ask for years Mm -hmm. for us to do an album of nothing but hymns. Um, Everywhere we play, people want to know, do you have an album that's nothing but old, old hymns? And we just never had taken the time to do it. 2020 came, and we could not tour as much, and so we had some extra time on our hands, and we decided let's go ahead and just do a hymns record. And we'd done Appalachian worship, and so it just seemed appropriate to follow it up with Appalachian hymns. And so we went into the studio, and we started cutting um, some of the tracks, and that was during 2020, the pandemic. And so I think in our song selection – um, if you go through there and look at it and you think of it in that light, it's almost like a prayer journal. The songs that we picked were songs that comforted us and gave us hope and encouragement as we were walking through a really uncertain time in our life. And um, so 
we did it because that's what a lot of folks had asked us to do and we knew that, that it would be received well. But what was amazing was how much it helped us during that moment to sing those songs of the faith, those old hymns, how much encouragement it brought to us. But as far as hymns and how we chose them, well, I'll kind of pass it off to these guys. And Yeah, I, um, I said it in, in an interview. Sorry, it's still a little early. <laughs> Can't form a complete sentence. Um, but I said it in an interview earlier about how whenever we try to select songs, it's obviously we go straight for um, the lyrical content. Um, obviously, you want something that has a nice melody and sounds good and stuff, but um, obviously the, the words and the message in the song are, take precedence. And so anytime we select a song, that's obviously we read the, read the words, and um, if it's not something that we feel like is going to minister to somebody or you know anything in that, um, regard we just we don't even give it a, a thought really and so um, all the songs that we chose for this record are have a very great message have a really strong uh, lyrical content and you know a lot of them are going to be familiar some are going to be not as familiar um, and then it's cool how you can span such a large amount of time um with some of these hymns, like some, like "Be Thou My Vision," is probably the oldest hymn we have in the English language. And then you can go all the way up to modern day hymns that are, you know, less than forty or fifty years old. Um, some of them. So it's it's just really cool how um, how music just kind of spans a gap like that. And some of these words and lyrics have stood the test of time for, like "Be Thou My Vision," for almost a thousand years. You know, and then you can have hymns that still have the same message and and meaning and encouragement even to this day. So, um, yeah, I mean, when we bring songs to the table, I think we all just kind of select a few that we think are good, and then we all just kind of dig through them and then just, I don't know. You can't really say process of elimination because a lot of these songs, even the ones that we maybe even didn't choose to cut, are still awesome songs, and maybe there will be a Appalachian Hymns Volume 2 someday. Volume two. little teaser. Um, but I'm not. No, I mean, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> well, and, a, and another big thing, too, is uh majority of people, especially people who've attended church for a while, but majority of people know a lot of uh, hymns that are in a church hymn book that's, in, uh, especially in, like, local churches from where we're at. Um, so majority of the songs that we put on this hymns project, we love to hear congregation sing with us we you know we would much rather the congregation sing with us than us sing to them uh and he says this all the time but it's just there's something special about it and by the songs that we have on the album it's so easy for someone to pop it in well we don't have cd players hardly anymore to pull it up on your phone and play it through your car speakers and and sing along with it um and we see that too at our uh, at the dates that when we go to play is people just they love to sing these old hymns with us so that that was another big thing when or cool thing from doing the hymns project yeah what I really appreciate about what I hear from your heart is you're not just seeking to be performers you're seeking to be mm-hmm. leaders you're worship leaders and you're yeah. you're leading people not necessarily performing for them there's an element of performance we you know we all know that um, 
but at the end, but it all comes down to the heart. God looks at the heart and your heart is really for you to lead and to see people come into the presence of God and experience God, uh, themselves. And, and so, um, as a, as a musician myself, I have five albums, not in the capacity, but I, I play piano professionally and, and do things myself. Um, but there, when you are, I have, I have a couple of hymn albums as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you, when you are looking for songs, like you can play songs and they're all good songs, but like, there's just those songs that like, like there's just something to it, it connects in your heart. Yeah. And they're just like, yes, like this is the one. There's an anointing. There's for me. There's an anointing. There's a there's there's an there's an energy here. And I just wondered if, if there's any song in particular, you know, in this particular season for either of you, uh, that is really resonating. As you you talked about going through 2020 and just walking through challenges, but is there any one that when you guys get to that that song in that set, like you're just yes, this this is where I'm at right now, and this is the song of my heart right now. Can you speak to one of those? Yeah, and that's a that that could be a um, that that could be a can of worms we could open up and it could go on and on and on. <laughs> sure. I think you know the the big thing was um, I didn't say this. We have to give credit where it's due. John Piper said some of the greatest songs. Something paraphrasing: the greatest songs are born from the greatest suffering. If we go back and we look through time, a lot of the songs that have stood the test of time and that we sing over and over, they are born through suffering. Songs like uh, "It Is Well." that we all know the story behind that song be thou my vision the guy that wrote that ended up being martyred by pirates for his faith in the 600s um, that wrote the original poem and so you have that and then you have come thou fount the guy that that wrote that he battled with depression his entire life and so i think that it's just one of those things especially walking through 2020 um we could relate to all those songs um Mm -hmm. in a very real and honest way and I think that, you know, and then even singing them now, we look back and we see what God brought us through. Those songs remind us of that part of life that we had to walk through. It was a trial, and he, but he brought us through it, and he was faithful. And so I think it's really, really tough to, to pick one that just resonates. Um, I think Be Thou My Vision is just, I can't get over that one. Mm-hmm. And I think especially right now. Yeah you know, talking about the Christians around the world that are being persecuted. And we all know what's going on all around the world. Um, that song, they say it's probably one of the oldest hymns, I think, right, that we have in the English language, um, came from a guy that was martyred, persecuted for his faith. And so those songs, they just resonate. Like I said, there's something special about them. I think some songs just have an anointing. Mm-hmm. And um, little did they know, I think, those writers, when they wrote those songs, that especially the guy that wrote that almost a thousand years later, we're still singing it. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to your point about be thou my vision, I think there's just a lot of the Christian body that, you know, and the world in, in general is walking around conf- dazed and confused. What is, mm-hmm. what do I do? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know which, which way to go, which, which way to step, you know, I don't know which way is up and which way is down right now. And so be thou my vision, like, we, you know, God is our vision. He's directing our steps and, yeah. uh, you know, kind of transitioning a little bit. We were talking about difficulty and challenge. You know, most people, you know, when they envision musicians and, and getting record contracts and touring, you know, everybody thinks it's, it's, you know, oh, they've made it. There's no challenges. It's just, you know, smooth sailing from there. Mm-hmm. But that's not 100% true. And so, you know, we know to live a missional life, to live what God has called us, there are obstacles, there are challenges. And so can you talk 
to us a little bit about some of the obstacles you've pressed through as a group and how God has seen you through those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, what we do, um, a lot of people see the stage part of it. They see you when you are up in front of them. They don't see the behind the scenes Mm -hmm. stuff. They don't see all the breakdowns. We started out the first few vehicles that we traveled in. It's really by the grace of God. Borrowed vehicles. Yeah, that we're still here. Some of those vehicles (laughs) should have killed us. Um, They were very dangerous. But so, yeah, all the breakdowns and long nights and, and the stress that it puts on your family and you being gone on the road, all those are difficulties, but it's just something that you do um, for his glory. Um, it's not about us. Um, it's not about ourselves. But as far as the trials, you know, probably the biggest trial that we've ever faced would, you hate to go back to it over and over again, or at least I do, but but the pandemic, the, the whole COVID thing, that was just tough, not just on us, but artists and evangelists and everybody that, that is affected by this industry, which goes so far beyond just the artist. Um, that was scary. And there were many, many moments that I did not know um, as the guy who, who unfortunately has to sign, sign the checks. I did not know if we would still be here a, a year later. There were moments that I was like, I don't know if we're going to be here or not. But God was faithful. God's people were faithful, and, and we're still here. And so we take that as encouragement that he's not done using us yet. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been all through over the past 13 years, there's been a lot of trials and obstacles. But, um but when you see someone encouraged through the music, through the message in the music, it makes it all worthwhile. When you see someone come to know Christ through the music, it makes all that worthwhile. We don't have anything to complain about in light of that. Yeah. Wow. So good. So how, how do you guys take the opportunity? Obviously, you're, you're sharing with a, um, with a churched crowd, if you will. You know, many people have been somewhat exposed to the gospel. How, about, how do you guys uniquely present sort of the gospel message within your within your concerts? And with, with how do you guys share that? I know you do that through the through the music, but what are some stories that you actually share from stage that um, that seem to really resonate and really encourage the audience? Can you share some of those with mm-hmm. our guests? Yeah, and we do. I would say probably, like you said, a good sixty-five to seventy percent of the work we do is in church um but we do play a lot of bluegrass festivals Mm -hmm. where a lot of times on those events um, we just did one of the largest bluegrass festivals in florida a couple weeks ago we were the only christian group at that event we'll be doing another one in southern ohio in a couple weeks and um it's one of the biggest events in ohio in terms of that style of music we'll be the only gospel group on stage that night and so those are awesome opportunities when you get to put the gospel on a secular platform with a ton of unchurched people but in the church to your question in the church um i think the big thing is just trying to remind people that just because you're at church does not mean that you're a follower of jesus christ Um, it's not about being a member of first baptist church or how much you give in terms of your tithes and your perfect attendance or whatever. It's about a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I do think that there are churches full um, all across the United States that are full of people that don't truly know Christ. Um, they, I think there's a lot of folks that, that might be good at um, being a part of an organization or we always, a lot of times we'll say a country club. But we, the question that we ask people is, do you truly know Jesus Christ in a personal and an intimate way? 
and a lot of times we'll share our own testimonies. We all grew up, for the most part, like I said, in church, but that did not make us right with God. What made us right with God was the day that we put our trust in him as our Lord and Savior, and we begin to follow him. Um, so that that's something that, that we really get into. We have, Zach was adopted um, when he was six months old. That's a story that we share, and if you kind of, you might want to go in. Yeah, so adoption um, is a is a big part of our group. Um, like you said, I was adopted. Um, they adopted uh, their little girl. Um, and then our sound man actually adopted his son. So adoption is a big, a big part of what uh, we do. And it's something that even if you haven't adopted a child or if you weren't adopted or something like that, um, as a believer, we're all adopted into the family of Christ. So all, all of this we can relate to as our, it's our story. Um, maybe in a little bit of a different capacity, but um, if you're a believer and you're in the body of Christ, God the Father has adopted you. And uh, so we actually wrote a song about that a long time ago, and um, so that's really special. Um, and so we actually started working with an organization this past year called Hold International, um, which is just an absolutely awesome organization, and um, they've got a ton of information on their website as well. Um, about their mission and uh, so we just try since that's something that is near and dear to our hearts uh, we try to help them um, reach uh, reach the church and um, hopefully you know either it may and we've actually been uh, in services where we've talked about Holt and our involvement with them and we've met people who have worked with Holt before um, who actually have we met someone this past year in our Christmas tour that um sponsored a child all the way from like when they were like six months old to they graduated college and um so it's it's real and we've even seen people um sign up to get more information on adoption on adopting their own child maybe um they're having the same situation like my parents did they couldn't have children of their own and um so looking for more information there and uh so that's been a blessing um and then another thing that we're really passionate about of course like we've already spoken about is uh, church replanters and uh, revitalization and so we talk a lot about our involvement with north american mission board and uh, the importance of missions not only internationally but in our country and there's so much uh evil in this world as we're all seeing right now in light of current events and uh the importance of the gospel even just to your mission field might be your neighbor might be your neighborhood and so a lot of times our our call to action during one of our concerts is how what are you doing for christ how much are you willing to give um and there's a story we tell about a woman named Karen Watson, who was a member of a church in California that um, we play at, and uh, she literally is a martyr, modern-day martyr. Um, there's a song that we do. We haven't recorded it yet. Um, there's a song that we do called People's Praise that was uh, written from her story. She, Before she left, she went to um, Iraq during the height of the Middle East conference or uh, conflict, and um, sorry, we're talking about conferences here with uh, NRB, uh, hide of the Middle East com- conflict, and she uh, literally gave her life um, on mission for Christ, took a bullet um, for him, and uh, she left a letter before she left, and she told her pastor, um, don't open this unless I don't come back. And um, so he got a call one night from the International Mission Board, um, you know, saying that her 
uh, team of missionaries had been ambushed. And in her letter, it was like she knew that she wasn't coming back. And um, the words to the songs, uh, the song's called People's Praise, and uh, the words to the song are literally just lifted from her letter and scripture. And her whole thing is, you know, you know, I'm not called to comfort. I'm not called to success. My call is to be obedient to Christ. And when he tells me to go, that's what I'm going to do. And she did just that. And so I think that right there, that just gives me chills thinking about it. But it, her, her heart for missions was literally just following God's call on her life unto death. And it just makes me think, like, how many times have I not wanted to witness when I had a perfect opportunity and God just placed it in my lap? Like, here's somebody that you can be a light to today, and I chose to walk by. Or I chose, you know, and versus Karen got on a, got a one-way ticket on a plane into a war zone for the, for the gospel. And so it's just, yeah, I mean— We've been so blessed to be surrounded by people like like Karen or people that knew Karen even, and um, it's just been an encouragement to me personally. Um, and coming out of, of COVID and us pretty much being sidelined for a year and not being able to do anything, being back out on the road and being able to minister, it just gives it a whole different meaning for me. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be anywhere that Chosen Road gets the opportunity to go and, and minister. It's just, it's been awesome. I love how you highlighted the, the call to sacrifice in following Jesus. And so many times we just think it's, it's so easy. And yet he says in this life, you will have challenges, you know, you'll have problems, but take heart. I will overcome the world. And so, you know, that's part of, you know, we, our slogan is kind of live the mission. Um, And it's not live a mission. It's not live your mission. We all have the same mission, live the mission that it's basically to know Jesus and to make him know really. And, uh, and we all do that in different ways, but we're all called to do the same thing. And, um, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes it demands more f- from others um, or from, from people than, than you might expect. But at the same time, we know the reward that awaits, awaits for them exactly. uh, when they make that kind of sacrifice. And so um, a missional life isn't always an easy life. Um, the, the musician's life isn't always the easy life. You know, it, you, like you said, it has stresses on the family. It has stresses among the group. But at the, at the end of the day you have all committed to each other and to God to make that, um, to make that, to make that known, to go and use your gifts and your talents. Um, the, uh, the lady that he was talking about, the end of her letter, the poem that she wrote, and we have a song and this is the hook line really in it. His glory is our reward. Mm. And that sums it all up. Amen. Absolutely. So you have how many albums that you, have you guys created? You've just released this one, and what? And you mentioned that you have this song that you share, but you haven't recorded. So tell us a little bit about the album that you've released, and what's what's next? Man, the Lord knows what's next. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not us. We have a lot of ideas, but we're waiting to see which ones shake out, and and really just where he, what doors he opens up, and where he leads. So we're not sure exactly what's next yet. We've got a lot of ideas though. But that yeah, song, like there's a creative the side to it, like where you plan and you're like, oh, this would be cool. This would be cool. But then, like, like honestly, when when we did the hymns album, we didn't. Uh, that wasn't really the plan. Like we were going to start working on something 
something else. Something else, and we thought, yeah. well, we'll just do a hymns album. But yeah, so um, as far as what's next, um, we're just waiting to see what door the Lord opens up. Yeah, next, I, I have people all the time that that they'll ask, you know, how did you guys get started? Have you been successful? How have you figured out how to make a living at it? And I always, my answer is, I do not know. It just, I think it has to be in God's will, God's plan, and you have to rely on his provision. And so that's just kind of where we're at in life. We just love to use this music to tell people about him and to make a positive impact on the world in his name. And uh, so whatever platform and stage he, he allows us to do that on, that's where we'll continue to do it. Amen. Yeah, that is so good. You know, you guys talked about um, Karen, who gave her life and was prepared to do that. And, you know, as you're sharing, like, the Lord knows what's next, just walking in that obedience, that is true success. And we just pray and speak that over your band as you continue on to just walk in God's supernatural peace and provision and that his light will just shine forth in the bluegrass festivals that you're part of and all the churches and all the encouragement that you're going to be giving to congregations and pastors. So, and um, again, highlighting adoption. That is awesome. That is the heart of the Father to bring yeah. people into his family. And we just pray much fruit from that in Jesus' name. Absolutely. Well, Chosen Road, it's been an honor to spend time with you guys today. Thank you so much, and we speak blessing over all that you put your hand to. Thank, Thank you. So you all. Thank, Thank you all. You all. Thank you.